Hi, and welcome to the Yak Fantasy Football Podcast. Yak isn't yakking like talking too much, and also like yards after catch. It's a double entendre, guys. I'm Ted, and today we're going to talk about my dynasty studs and duds of the preseason. Which players have shown flashes that might earn them more opportunities, or what chances shook out in their favor, and on the other side of the coin, which players have failed to impress or have had circumstances that put them in a bad situation that were out of their control. I'm going to focus mostly on younger players because this show has a focus on Dynasty and what do we love more in Dynasty than youth, right? The thing that adds sometimes unwarranted value to unproven players. Um, Also, sorry there wasn't an episode last week, I was sick again with something different. It was pretty ridiculous. I had some really weird symptoms when I put out a short, late episode the week before, and once I got over those, I had just a normal cold, but I wasn't really able to breathe through my nose and really just sit for a long time and uh, talk into a microphone, so I wasn't feeling good last week either. By the way, if you ever want to know if there's going to be an episode just check on Twitter. I'm not calling it X. Not doing it. Check on Twitter at YakFantasyPod and you'll be able to see whether or not an episode is coming out. If I say nothing, it means it's probably coming out. If I do say something, then that's what's going to be happening. Anyway, let's get into it. So I'm going to start off with some quarterbacks for my uh, studs here through preseason. So my first quarterback that I'm going to talk about here is Jordan Love. So, Jordan Love obviously taking over for Aaron Rodgers. He was drafted to be his successor, and it took him basically the entirety of his rookie contract to finally get his chance here. And now he has it, and nobody really knows what to expect. You know, we knew coming out of college he had good arm talent and he had good athleticism, but outside of that, he was a project. So... All this time, sitting behind Rodgers probably has served him well in some senses, uh, but also in other senses he hasn't been able to get the game reps that he needs to be able to improve. So uh, it's hard to know what to expect from him, but from everything we're hearing so far out of camp and everything we've seen through the preseason, he looks in command of the offense, he's decisive, he's accurate, he's making Good throws, good reads, everything that you want to see. It is preseason, so that is something to keep in mind. But when you're looking at preseason, you're looking for execution rather than stats necessarily. And both have been there for him. So I'm optimistic that he can at least be you know, a mid-tier quarterback this year. He can be a solid super flex option for you in any super flex leagues uh, I probably wouldn't be clamoring for him in a one quarterback league unless I need a backup but uh, I think he could be a solid piece that can get you anywhere from 15 to 18 points a game any given week uh, the next guy is Kenny Pickett first round pick from last year had an okay rookie season up and down he threw a lot of interceptions early on then he dialed that back but then the fantasy production really wasn't there because I think he was focused more on not throwing the game away for the Steelers. And uh, he's another guy who looks to be in command of the offense. He's making good throws. He's throwing with good zip, which is something that I was interested in seeing from him, uh, specifically 
in week one of the preseason, his touchdown pass to George Pickens, where he just rifled it over the middle and uh, to a place where only Pickens could get it and catch and run uh, for the touchdown. And he also had a nice throw against the Bills this past week in the preseason to Pat Fryermuth right down the seam again. So I like the zip that he's showing on the ball. I like the command that he's showing. Uh, he's got some solid weapons around him. So again, I think he can be a solid QB2 in Superflex. I wouldn't be crazy excited about him in a one-quarterback league. Again, just like Jordan Love. But I think there is value there. And I think he's going to take a step forward from his rookie year. The next guy I have here is kind of a preseason darling right now, a rookie, uh, Aiden O'Connell, quarterback for the Raiders, who was drafted in the fourth round by the Raiders. He's uh, currently number three on the depth chart, but he's making a case to be number two behind Jimmy Garoppolo in front of Brian Hoyer, who just looks like Brian Hoyer, especially in his older age here now. Um, Aiden O'Connell looks very decisive with his throws. He seems to be making the proper reads. He doesn't have the strongest arm ever, and he's not overly athletic, but he's an accurate quarterback who goes through his progressions well, and he's solid in the pocket as well. His big issue in college was turnovers, but a lot of people uh, seem to be chalking that up to supporting cast and him kind of being a gunslinger-type quarterback in college. He's shown a willingness to take shots, but he seems to be taking them in the right spots right now, so maybe that's something that he's been working on in his rookie year here. So uh, he looks pretty good in deep leagues where you have a taxi squad. I think he's worth a stash, especially given the injury history of Jimmy Garoppolo. Next guy is uh, everybody's favorite right now, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Good arm, great athleticism, and just showing a lot of flashes here through the preseason. He probably had his worst performance this past week, uh, week three for the Browns, because they played in the Hall of Fame game to start the year. But I still think he's been playing solidly overall, and uh, I really think uh, he's exceeding expectations for a guy who was seen as pretty raw coming out of college. Um, He's making a case himself to be the quarterback, too, in Cleveland. I mean, he's got to beat out who? Josh Dobbs? I think he can make a solid case for that. Uh, if not this year, at least next year. Um, the next three guys are going to be the top three drafted quarterbacks in uh, this past draft. Uh, Anthony Richardson. I thought he was solid in his one game against the Bills. He did have a goofy-looking interception, but it was on a play where he had a lot of pressure right in his face. Uh, supposedly Isaiah McKenzie didn't run the route correctly, according to uh, the wide receiver coach who chewed him out for that, I believe. Um, but otherwise, he looked really good. He had a really great deep pass to Alec Pierce that was dropped in that game, uh, and he would have had a really nice stat line coming out of that game if not for that. Um, he looked in command. He looked more accurate than usual. He still threw a bit high, uh, but that's something that we all expected from him coming out of college, and he's got that athleticism and that big arm that we all look for. So if he can develop throughout the year, it's going to look good for him, and he's officially been named the starter, which is the main reason I've listed him here. Uh, next guy is C.J. Stroud. He had a rocky start in his first 
preseason start. He held on to the ball too long. He didn't look like he knew where to go with his reads. And the offensive line was also crumbling around him. So I don't think he had much confidence. Uh, This past week, he looked like the C.J. Stroud we saw in college. He was decisive. He threw on time. He threw accurate passes that hit guys in stride. He just threw big boy throws. And that was the biggest thing that I liked about C.J. Stroud is just the number of wow throws he makes with the ball placement and the accuracy that he has. The ability to throw it in a place where only his receiver can get it or to throw it to his guy in stride to get yards after catch. He looked much more composed and in control of everything in this last game, and I think that experience in week one really served him well to look at things that he needed to work on. And finally, Bryce Young, who's officially already been named the starter for uh, Carolina, obviously. I think that was also before uh, week one of the preseason. But one of the big things I was worried about with Bryce Young was his propensity to hold on to the ball too long in college. He held on to it for more than three seconds on average in college, and that's something that just does not fly in the NFL. Lines can't hold up for that long on average. And I know he's got the ability to scramble and buy time in the pocket, but that was something that worried me, especially with his size. The lack of ability to see fully over the middle uh, that worried me. So far through the preseason, because of his offensive line has been so poor, he's been making good pre-snap reads and been able to get the ball out very quickly. Uh, it's probably something he's going to have to do this year with a shaky offensive line overall. I like his left tackle, but outside of him, uh, there's a lot to be desired for the Carolina offensive line. I'm blanking on his name, of course, the left tackle. Uh, but that was a big concern of mine, and it I don't think that it can't pop up again but I think it's something that he's clearly been working on and that's a good sign that it's translated to the field and you know keep in mind for those last three guys the numbers aren't eye-popping or anything like that like what you've seen from Aiden O'Connell or Dorian Thompson Robinson these last three guys are starters they're going against starters in the preseason and you know they're not going against third stringers like the other guys are essentially going against other college players or fringe roster players in the NFL. So uh, keep that in mind when you're not seeing gaudy numbers from these guys, you're really looking for what's happening with their process, what things that were flaws for them in college that they've been working on, what things that were a problem week one weren't a problem week two or vice versa, but I thought they all three showed out very well. Even though Anthony Richardson didn't play in week two, I think his week one was solid enough, and him being named the starter was enough to put him in this category. Uh, Into running backs, my next guy was going to be Zamir White, but I'm kind of flip-flopping on that, so I'll really quickly just go into the gist of it. Basically, Zamir White has looked solid in the preseason. Uh, He was a guy that I liked quite a bit coming out last year as a middle-of-the-pack running back, and that's where he was drafted. He was drafted in the fourth round, and uh, you know you thought at least he'd get some touches last year, but he really didn't. They really ran Josh Jacobs into the ground, and I partially put him on this list because Josh Jacobs is holding out for a contract 
not wanting to sign that franchise tag, not wanting to accept that the running back market is what it is right now, well, today, literally today, it's Monday the 21st for me right now recording this, today there was a report that Josh Jacobs was going to be back before the end of the preseason uh, to get ready for the season. He basically just didn't want to play in camp if he was going to play on the franchise tag. Then he tweeted out himself that he didn't remember saying any of that, but then he deleted it, so really not sure what's going on there. A lot of drama. I'm not going to read into it too much, but just kind of keep that in mind when I say that Zamir White's on this list here. It's really contingent on, is Josh Jacobs going to be there or not? If he's not, then Zamir White looks to be the running back one. If he is, then you got to assume Josh Jacobs is the guy, and the Raiders are probably going to do what they did last year, which is run until the tires fall off with him. After Zamir White, I have Roshan Johnson uh, of the Bears. He's looked really solid so far in the preseason. Uh, just really good burst, decisiveness, the ability to carry guys with that contact balance. Um, I know Khalil Herbert looked really good on a screen pass the other day, but just looking at this running back room, Khalil Herbert is on uh, the last year of his contract. Deontay Foreman is on a one-year deal. Roshan Johnson is the future of this backfield, and you might not like it all that much when it comes to projecting it with Justin Fields back there at quarterback because he is a rushing monster himself, but I think Roshan Johnson's the guy to own in this backfield because of all those factors. I think it's going to be a committee, and I think Roshan Johnson's going to be a guy to watch out for as a guy that emerges later in the season. Uh, Tank Bigsby is the next guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he's going to be in a committee with Travis Etienne. Uh, I think it's going to look very similar to what you see in Green Bay with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, that kind of thunder and lightning kind of duo where you've got the pass catching more slender back as the running back one, and then the 1B to that 1A is the bigger back who can get the short yardage and goal line touches. So I think he's going to have value. He's run hard. He's looked good. He is very patient, waiting for his blocks. He's decisive when he makes his cuts, and I think he's looked good. And Frank Reich, or sorry, not Frank Reich, uh, Doug Peterson, they used to work together, so I mix them up a little bit sometimes, um, has mentioned that they're definitely going to be working him in this year as the running back, too. And the last guy for the running backs here is Tajay Spears. Uh, obviously, Derrick Henry, in the last year of his contract, he's an absolute monster, but you can't ask him to carry the entire load all the time forever. He's 29 years old. At some point, the wheels have to fall off. I'm not predicting it this year but because he's a freak, but it has to happen at some point, right? And Tajay Spears, they drafted knowing that this guy has no ACLs, and despite that, this guy is blowing past defenses. He hurdled the guy this past week despite all of that, and the Titans are confident that he'll be able to get through at least his rookie contract. So... I like Tajay Spears as he projects going forward after this year. We don't know what the future holds for Derrick Henry, if he's going to be brought back or not. And Tajay Spears has a lot of dynamic athleticism to him 
that adds a different element to this offense. So at the very least, I see him getting some solid touches this year. I don't know if it's going to be enough for a flex play, but it might be. Next, I've got wide receivers. Uh, my first wide receiver here, and this should be no surprise to anybody, but just I'm impressed by what I've seen, and it's confirmed a lot of the things I've thought about him is uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's played with the first team and the second team in preseason, probably just trying to get him reps. He's definitely going to be the starting slot for this team. And he's been able to line up in the slot and outside. It's been a pretty much even split for him, which is something that I thought he would be able to do in the pros. I didn't think he was limited to just the slot. And he's looked good. He's made good catches. He's been running his routes the way he did in college. And he's just looking the part. And I don't know if his stock is up more, but it's just sometimes when your thoughts are confirmed about a guy and they look as good as you thought and hoped, it's worth mentioning and just noting because they're living up to that hype. Next guy is Trey Palmer of the Tampa Bay Bucks. He was drafted in the sixth round. Uh, there's an opportunity for him here. Uh, he's looked pretty good in preseason he's flashed a couple times he had a nice touchdown grab from Baker Mayfield in week one of the preseason and then he tipped the ball to himself on a ball that was thrown deep from uh, Kyle Trask where he looked really good on it so the volume hasn't been there like crazy but he projected as a slot receiver coming out of college and Russell Gage just tore his ACL and he's out for the season so there's an opportunity here for Trey Palmer I think he slots in as that slot receiver with the starting unit, and I think he's worth at least a stash on your taxi squad, but he might be worth a flex play as the season progresses here. Next guy is Demario Douglas of the New England Patriots, and I'll give my caveat that he was one of my lowest-ranked wide receivers coming out of this draft class, but he has uh, been noted as making a name for himself in camp. Uh, he is apparently very close to being a roster lock. He's shown out more than a guy like Keishon Butte for the Patriots. And also this past week, uh, with the starters, with Mac Jones, he got a few reps and uh, caught a few passes from him. So I think that's a good trajectory for him. Uh, so maybe I missed something in the evaluation there, uh, being so low on him. But at the very least, he's making a name for himself and carving out a spot in the offense. And to be quite frank, the Patriots could use a guy that offers something different than just big-body possession receiver. And Tyquan Thornton is apparently kind of disappointing this preseason as well, which was another guy I wasn't high on coming out of last year. And the last guy here I'll mention is Tank Dell. I didn't really see much from him last week. But in the week prior, playing both with the first unit and with the second unit, he looked really great running routes, making tough catches, his catch in the end zone <coughs> for the touchdown from Davis Mills on that quick kind of comeback, back shoulder fade type throw uh, was really special. The ability to just concentrate and bring the ball in after it was tipped around by both him and the defender. Uh, he's looked really good, and I expect at some point that he'll at the very least be worked into the offense. Uh, I know Robert Woods is a starting slot right now, 
but I think Tank Dell has a spot on this offense, and if he shows out enough, they could probably move on from Robert Woods next year. I didn't really have anything notable for tight ends. I guess uh, the only thing that pops off to me from what I've looked at and what I've seen is uh, Dalton Kincaid of the Bills looked the part uh, this past week. He didn't really have many pass-catching opportunities in the first week. He was mostly asked to block, but this past week he played as a receiver and looked good. So kind of another one of those confirmation bias things where he looked exactly the way you expected him to. Uh, so you should feel pretty good about him being the at least number three target in the Bills' offense, and I think he has a chance to progress to the number two target at some point here. Uh, but now I'm going to get into my duds from the preseason. So I talked about the studs. We're going to get into the duds right now. I'm not going to go in any particular order right here, uh, but starting with quarterbacks, let's talk about Trey Lance. Uh, he got the third opportunity at quarterback this past week behind both Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold the week before he got the second opportunity, but he just didn't look good. Even when he threw his touchdown pass, he threw into double, almost triple coverage, and it was tipped to another receiver. He just has looked uncomfortable. He's been getting sacked a lot, and that's partially on the offensive line. They've been breaking down in front of him. But also, he's got the athleticism to escape and really has not had that clock in his head to tell him when to escape. Uh, I just don't like the trajectory here from him, both in the way that he's playing, looking indecisive, and the fact that he seems to be on the outs with the coaching staff too, as far as Sam Darnold getting the second chance with the offense. Next guys come as a package deal, the Tennessee Titans backups to Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, and Will Levis. Willis was drafted in the third round last year, and Levis was drafted in the second round this year. They both went back and forth, literally back and forth. They alternated drives in the first preseason game, and both had their moments where they looked good, both had their moments where they looked shaky. So it was really hard to tell who really won out in that. I'd say maybe the edge was given to Malik Willis because he's been on the team for a year longer and he's progressed. And on top of that, he has more dynamic athleticism to him than Levis. But uh, either way, it was kind of hard to parse who was the real winner in week one. Then Will Levis is injured in week two and Malik Willis plays the entirety of Week 2, and it was another mixed bag. He had some nice throws. He had some really nice athletic runs where he was able to escape out of the pocket and show his overall athleticism, but he only threw for 85 yards. He threw a pretty bad interception. He did throw a touchdown pass, so that was nice to see. Uh, but again, playing a whole game, getting 85 yards in the whole game passing, and he had 90-something on the ground, which is great, but it's not good paired with only 85 yards passing. He had a big opportunity there, and it really didn't seem to seize it. So it's just a toss-up between these two guys. And coming out, both of these guys had very similar issues. I didn't like that Tennessee drafted Will Levis a year after drafting Malik Willis 
because you're just asking for problems when you have two project quarterbacks behind an aging veteran who is a mid-tier quarterback at best anyway. It just isn't a good situation to continue to have players like that that are not pro-ready, not even pro-ready, but just so similar in skill set and what they offer to you and what their deficiencies are. So I just didn't like that situation from that standpoint but then on top of that neither has really separated themselves I guess the reports are that Malik Willis has more of a control over the QB2 job and that's probably because he's been in the league for a year longer than Levis but I don't know I think they're both losers here from this standpoint because neither is really separating themselves from the other and I think they're going to have some controversy and issues going into next year what if they decide that neither is the guy next year and they bring Tannehill back for another year, franchise tag him, something like that. It just doesn't seem like it's a great situation in Tennessee to me. Next guy here is Zach Evans, running back for the LA Rams, uh, who was drafted in the sixth round. I think Evans has looked fine in the preseason, but I guess the thing that worries me here is based on where I saw him coming out of the draft this past year I'm disappointed that he hasn't taken a grasp on the running back two role and that seems to be going to Kyron Williams behind Cam Akers and then it seems to be that behind him is Ronnie Rivers who was an undrafted rookie last year I think Either way, Evans seems to be getting the last of the opportunities every preseason game. He's the last one to go out there against the lowest level of competition. He's looked fine, but again, there must be something that he's not showing in practice that's leading to him being the last guy in the pecking order here. Uh, I worry about his ability to even make the roster at this point. If those three guys are ahead of him, typically you're not carrying more than three running backs unless... One of them offers special teams ability, so maybe he does. I don't really know about that from the standpoint of Kyron Williams or Ronnie Rivers. If I'm remembering correctly, maybe Kyron Williams has return ability. I don't know how dynamic he is as a returner, but maybe he is the starting returner there. I don't really pay close enough attention to the Rams to know that. But I just don't like the trajectory here based on what I thought the talent was. So I'm down on him through this preseason so far. And the last dud is another package deal here, and I'm just going to say the Bills wide receiver three. Whoever that's going to shake out being on the depth chart, I don't necessarily think it's going to be the case week to week. So there's a competition right now for the Bills wide receiver three job between Trent Sherfield, Khalil Shakir, who was drafted last year, and Deontay Hardy, formerly known as uh, Deontay Harris, if you remember that name. He changed his name to his, I think, stepfather's name uh, recently. So, anyway, these guys in Bill's camp, and I'm a Bill's fan as I've mentioned, none of them have really overly separated themselves from one another. I think if anybody has the leg up, it's Trent Sherfield because he projects well as a run blocker at wide receiver, and he's, I think, been the most consistent out of all of them. But then Khalil Shakir shows the most flashes of overall ability, but he also has drop issues and 
has had some issues with blocking here and there as well, so he's inconsistent. And then Deontay Hardy, good route runner, very good speed, but he's very small. So I think all of these guys add up to one, I think, for the Bills, and I don't think throughout the year you're going to see one really take claim of the whole job. And if there is one that can, I think it's Khalil Shakir because I think he has the best combination of all of the traits that the other two offer. But he's been so inconsistent, it's hard to say that he will. So I'm fading whoever ends up shaking out as the Bills wide receiver three, especially, too, when you look at it from the perspective of you've got Stephon Diggs as a wide receiver one, you've got Gabe Davis as wide receiver two, and you might not like him. I'm not the highest on Gabe Davis, but he's still seen as that in Buffalo. Then, at the very least, Dalton Kincaid projects to be the third target in the offense. Then you have James Cook, who's a good pass-catching back out of the backfield, so he's going to get his targets. Then you have Dawson Knox, who's still a solid receiving tight end. I don't think the existence of Dalton Kincaid is going to make Dawson Knox go away because Dalton Kincaid projects more as a slot receiver than he actually does as a true inline tight end. So when you take that all into account and the fact that this competition is pretty wide open between these guys, I think it's going to be a matchup-based situation for the Bills based on formation, what they want to do on a given play or in a given game against a certain opponent. And that's going to be hard to decipher what it's going to be week to week. So if I'm managing a fantasy team and I have any of these guys, they're worth having on a deep roster, but I'm not counting on them for anything. All right, so that's going to do it for today. Thanks for tuning in for this episode, focusing on my dynasty studs and duds of the preseason so far. We have one more week to go for preseason, so I'll probably give you my final thoughts if I see anything significant that happens. Any guys that pop out one way or the other that I haven't mentioned already. But I'm not sure what else I'm going to be talking about yet next week, but I'll think of something. Anyway, if you liked what I had to say, disagreed with what I had to say, or have your own rankings to share, hit me up on Twitter at YakFantasyPod. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and catch you next week.